Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. We are back. My name is Andy Hayes. With me, it's really the, the original crew. It's Jansen Miserick. Yeah. It's Peter Donahue. Um, Peter Lineweber could not be with us. Yes. Steve Shrek could not be with us. Um, oh. You know, many of our <laughs> other guests just couldn't be here today. Um, so it's just the three of us. But but as you'll find out very shortly, this is the perfect um, the perfect group for the wow. topic that I'm about to to present. Can't wait. Wonderful. Uh, I kind of want to just get right into it. Um, I uh, I have this book that I that I've been reading. It's called Following Through by Herbert Warren Wind. Pete, are you familiar with? I'm assuming you're familiar with maybe Herbert Herbert Warren Warren Wind. Wind. Yep. And so he he used to write. Apparently, he wrote columns for the New Yorker about golf, which seems strange. Like a magazine, you know, can imagine like popular magazine would just have this golf column in it it's pretty cool that is so, cool this is kind of a collection of different things he wrote it's written between the between the 60s 70s and 80s mm. when he was writing so these are pretty old all right so i stumbled across a chapter last night or actually a part of a chapter that is really fascinating to me and i you know i knew it would be podcast material um, this is maybe the closest we've ever gotten on this podcast to like breaking news because i've i've since <laughs> I've since wow. done research on the, you know, the thing that I'm about to read to you guys. I'm just going to read it. It's only two pages. There's there's really nothing on the internet at all about this. It's, it's an event. It's a tournament. <laughs> and oh, really? So like, like you, like you, you can't Google. like if you Google, you know, the name of it, and you Google some other things, n- nothing pops up. Oh, it's no. only in this book. Well, it's as far as far as I know. So mm-hmm. I think uh, even if you Google like Herbert Warren Wind. Then the title of the event, nothing comes up. So, um, well, how do we know it's true? Well, I guess we don't. <laughs> I mean, we don't. I mean, I think it, it, it could be fake, but I think it has to do with something. This was written. This children. Was, the book was published in 1985, but this, this, you know, this story um, was written in 1964. Okay. So I think cool. that's part of why. Of course. You know, no internet. It's ancient then. history. It's it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. plenty. We'll have to take it. Before the internet. All right. Cool. So I, I'm i going to... This is from a chapter. It's it's on page 41 of the book. It's called Europe in the Fall. He goes to four different tournaments, and this is this is one of the events that he goes to. Was he, He's a golfer. Uh, yes, he's a golfer because okay. he, he writes about playing golf himself, but okay. he also writes about golf. Got so it, got he's, it. All he's, right. he's, an, he's a writer. Sweet. Um, all right. So they're in Scotland. Um, Turnberry stretches along the Firth of Clyde about 50 miles south of Glasgow and 15 miles south of Prestwick International Airport and I can think of no pleasanter way to enter Europe incidentally then to disembark at Prestwick with its unbustling country pace and lack of confusion and drive through the scrub down towns and green fields of Ayrshire to the Turnberry Hotel a large, comfortable place that sits atop an abrupt ridge overlooking the Ailsa Links and 
the sea beyond. I arrived on the morning of the first day of the seven club tournament. <laughs> a 72-hole stroke play event in which, as its title indicates, a player may carry in his bag only seven clubs instead of the full complement of 14 he is entitled to in ordinary competitions. To go back a little way, up until 1938, when the 14-club rule was passed simultaneously by the game's two governing bodies, the United States Golf Association and the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews, a golfer could carry as many clubs as he wished. Until the 1920s, However, few players, even among the champions, thought they needed more than 10 or 12. In 1916, for instance, when Chick Evans won the United States Open with a record low total of 286, he did it with only seven clubs. But after Walter Hagen and other professionals introduced the trunk-sized golf bag around 1924, there was a, a decided trend toward carrying extra weapons. It soon became fairly commonplace for the serious golfer to supplement his basic set of clubs with such spares as an extra driver that he could resort to when his regular driver was not working too well. A shallow-faced spoon for tight lies, a spoon with a big pear-shaped head for gorgeous lies, an all-purpose jigger, a couple of hickory-shafted irons from his old set for trouble shots, one left-handed club, and an assortment of putters to suit all types of greens. Lawson Little brought this to its reductio ad absurdum in 1934 when, if I remember correctly, he had his caddy lug more than 30 clubs, <laughs> including eight or nine woods, and after that, it was only a matter of time before mm -hmm. a limitation on armaments had to be invoked. Mm. The main purpose of the 14-club rule, apart from ensuring the continued existence of able-bodied caddies, was to bring back into the game some measure of the old shot-making skills that had gradually gone out when, with the increase in the number of clubs carried, it had become unnecessary for a man to be able to play half shots and three-quarter shots, high shots and low shots with each of the clubs in his bag. The rule has proved to be a popular one with most golfers, but, as you might expect, there are two sects of extremists who think it should be revised. On one hand, more than a few of our professional stars, possibly encouraged by golf club manufacturers, have in recent years been lobbying for up upping the limit to 16. Their contention is that they need, of all things, more pitching clubs. On the other hand, there is, as there always has been, a group of unreconstructed old-timers who remain convinced that 14 clubs are about five too many to test a golfer's true worth, since, as they are fond of saying, quote, it allows him to buy too many of his shots in the pro shop, end quote. If this is hardly a realistic argument, it is an appealing one in that it evokes a picture of the golfer as an ingenious improviser. And I know of nobody who plays the game, pro or hacker, who hasn't wondered how he would make it out if he had to leave half his clubs in his locker. In any event, it is very much to the credit of the British golf club manufacturers that when the idea of a seven-club tournament was proposed, they didn't sabotage it. Furthermore, it, very, it is very much to the credit of the British professionals that they not only agreed to play in such a tournament at the risk of jeopardizing their reputations by shooting relatively high scores, but also converged on Turnberry as enthusiastic as schoolboys about the novelty of the challenge. What seven clubs would you pick if you're going to tackle a formidable 7,000-yard seaside links? Most of us, I think, would settle on a driver, a four-wood, a three-iron, a five-iron, a seven-iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter. At the seven-club tournament, the selection made by each player was posted in the press tent, which in Britain is still literally a tent, and I, mean to and I meant to study these lists closely, but before doing this, I went out to the 14th hole with some British golf writers I knew to watch the parade go by. The first sight that struck my eyes was one for which I was unprepared. George, Will, and Guy 
Wolfsenthal, two of the best young British professionals, had just driven off the 14th and were walking jauntily up the fairway carrying their own bags. These small canvas sacks that we used to call Sunday bags and that the British called drain pipes. Somehow, I cannot picture Tommy Bolt or Sam Sneed doing this. Not long afterward, Neil Coles, the most accomplished British professional at the present time, came off the 13th green. Now this was more like it. He had a caddy, and the caddy was carrying Coles' regular tournament bag, but with only seven clubs inside. It gaped ludicrously. About half the players I later gathered used a caddy, and about half toted their own bags. Upon closer examination of Coles' bag, I saw that he had brought along only one wood, a brassy, or two wood. He had a screamer with it off the tee on the 14th, a par-4 hole 455 yards long, and then from a very sm snug lie, he smashed another beautiful brassy 15 feet from the flag. Today, none of our touring professionals uses a brassy, except to drive with occasionally, and I certainly can't remember when I last saw a reputable golfer hit two brassy shots on one hole. It was quite a treat. I followed Coles in, and he finished with a 75, four over par, and a very creditable score, but far from the lowest one posted. Then I went to the press tent to look over the lists of clubs that the different golfers had taken. The majority had gone with the orthodox sep septet, two woods, three iron, a five iron, a seven iron, a wedge, and a putter, but there were several interesting variations. A fairly high percentage, for example, had chosen two iron, a four iron, and a six iron instead of the odd number clubs. About a fifth of the field had, like Coles, taken only one wood, usually a brassy. At least a quarter of the field had dispensed with the wedge in favor of a nine iron, and this was one selection I could not understand, for while a nine iron is at least serviceable as a wedge for playing pitch shots off firm seaside turf, I would hate to try to blast out of a deep Scottish bunker with so thin a blade. All in all, I gathered each man had picked the clubs he had the most confidence in, and, his, and this conclusion was reinforced on the second day of play, when Tony Fisher, a club professional from suburban London, came in with a wonderful 68 that he had wrought with the unlikely lineup of two woods, a three iron, a five iron, a six iron, a nine iron, and a putter. He was, as you might imagine, in very good spirits, and claimed he had played only one poor stroke, a fine attack and putt from six feet on the 17th green, which I left four inches short of the hole. I spent a good part of that second day, which was my last one at Turnberry, following Arthur Havers, who won the British Open at Troon in 1923, when he nipped Walter Hagen by a stroke. A dignified, white-haired man, now 66, he plays little or no competitive golf these days, but the seven-club tournament fascinated him so much that he mailed in an entry. He wore knickers, carried his own canvas bag, and hit many splendid shots. Partnered with him was another superannuated British Open champion, Fred Daly, a Belfast Irishman who won the title in 1947 and there was no question but that they were enjoying themselves hugely. I remember in particular an exchange I overheard as they came off the ninth green after both had gone over par on the hole. Yes, 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 Daly groaned with mock heaviness as he wrote the scores down. They're very keen here on handing out the pencils, but not so keen on supplying rubber erasers. Seven clubs is no test anyhow, Fred, Havers observed with a gentle smile. Now five, that's a proper number. <laughs> As I say, the tightness of my schedule made it necessary for me to leave Turnberry before the finish of the tournament, and I had to get the final results from the papers. It was one I learned by Lionel Platts of Wanstead, England, who had been coming up fast for the past four years with a superb four-round total of 288, only four over par, on a course, mind you, that most people would rank with Muirfield as just about the sternest test in Scotland. In all, 20 players succeeded in breaking 300. This would seem to indicate that when an experienced golfer is at the top of his game, he can score substantially as low as 7 clubs as with 14 or 35. 
It is no trouble at all for him to coax a few more yards from any club when the situation calls for it, or conversely to ease up a fraction and float the ball a few yards shorter than he would normally hit it if he were playing a full shot. However, the general complexion of the scoring also made it clear that a golfer whose timing is slightly off will require at least two shots more per course per round, and sometimes as many as seven more, than if he had a full complement of clubs to lean on. And the golfer who is way off his game... Well, he has seven fewer clubs to break over his knee and throw into the nearest water hazard. The end. <laughs> wow, dude. That's cool. You must have thought you struck gold. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have any? I mean, I just we could just end the podcast there. But I mean, let's let's hear some let's hear some reactions. Yeah. Um, my first reaction was that. When when it got out of hand and people were carrying thirty clubs oh. around, that's that's pretty crazy. But you know, I could see how some people, uh, you know, when, once people start collecting things that they enjoy, it can get it can get out of hand. You know, like my tea collection. You know, oh. it's a little absurd. So, you know, I don't need all those teas, but they're but they're fun to have. And so the same for for people that uh, like putters. Hey, let me carry three of these just in case and oh what what about that and so to, to the the fact that the rule to put 14 clubs into play was actually to bring back shot making skills is something that I've never heard mm. about but then there's the other extreme of okay well now that it's 14 well what if you cut that in half and then people wanting a little bit so I didn't know that uh, 14 was actually kind of a compromise to meet in the middle mm. that's that's yeah, cool it's interesting isn't it yeah it's um uh, you know, I uh, I have had that bag. Uh, it was an old uh, playing set of Kathy O'Hara's father. It's a old leather stovepipe, uh, and um, uh, and it has in it. I think there's only. I, I think there's three woods. I think there's you know maybe five irons and a putter, and um, and. Uh, you know, honestly, I had thought uh, I, when I look at that bag, I think to myself, "God, you you better be pretty damn good to be able to play with these clubs." I mean, you know, and how would you do it? I mean, they're so you know, and and that that got me thinking when I looked at, at things like that and how the game was played at one time. Uh, what it would be interesting to see the greatest players in the world play a harder game than the one they're playing now. Hmm. Which would be fewer clubs, uh, which would be, you know, the equipment, the ball wouldn't fly as far, the clubs wouldn't be so perfectly balanced and, and all of that stuff. And what could you make out of that? Because, you know, uh, because at some point, um, you know, although uh, it's fun to make birdies i have to you know i have to say that and, and vision the idea of vision 54 you know uh is it is it shooting 54 is it any less wonderful now that all that the ball doesn't curve as far and that the, the ball will fly farther um is vision 54 would it be would it have been something more when uh uh they were playing with wood woods and you know or or what you know what it's all what you what you think about it you know it's like yeah and like where does the balance where does the balance fall 
you know, it'd be more yeah. impressive to shoot 54 with a wooden seven iron only from 1930 <laughs> than like a full set today. But like that's yeah. a ridiculous. Well, ridiculous it is ridiculous, task. but it's but so but it the makes the point. Yeah, where in the middle do we, where do we find it? And so, yeah, um, you're right. Because to I mean today they people talk about what like what it takes to win a golf tournament that there's basically you know 10 or so players per week who are going to have awesome ball striking and whichever one of them makes the most putts tends to win you know like so it's not it's not as demanding on you know full shots as maybe it used to be i mean i am at 1964 i don't definitely would headed wood headed woods would they have had steel shafts yeah so steel shafts yeah yeah okay but oh, still yeah. steel shafts came you know came in uh well i am sorry i don't know uh exactly when it seems like a group like us ought to know that but oh. it was around jones started off playing with uh, uh bobby jones with uh wooden shafts and by the time he was you know done playing golf in 1948 you know they were playing with metal shafts that were painted to look like wood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they're easily onto slightly more advanced equipment, but still to play a seven thousand yard course. They didn't. Oh. Uh, they didn't play the courses that long. Well, he said here they did. Oh, that oh it did was, he? Yeah. Oh, that really? The Turnberry won the seven club tournament with seven thousand. Seven thousand yards. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's why he was like, "Wow, they're at such a." Hard test, yeah. And that's now they're they're test. willing to do it with the seven. Yeah, yeah that's so. really long. Hopefully, yeah. it was firm and fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which generally it is, but right. nevertheless, you know, going into the wind, it's still yeah, mm -hmm. that's legit. Yeah, I just thought it was fascinating that they had an actual tournament. I wonder, like, I, I don't know. I'm gonna have to write the club secretary and see if we can get some records. Um, yeah, honestly, and find out if they did it again. Like, did they yeah, do it the next year? Because yeah. you. You can't find out anything about it, and so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's worth uh, it's worth writing a note yeah. over to the club to mm -hmm. to see. It's got to be in their archives. It's such yeah, a historic somewhere. place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, if you guys had um, I, I I if you played with seven, what would your seven clubs be? I think it's fat. I think it gives. I think this this chapter gives some sort of a a standard to the half set if i may say so yeah i've jumped between numbers you know spent countless sleepless nights wondering you know what would make the set mm. and uh, so think i think it's like. yeah well yeah if it was only seven well it would be uh the driver or the play club and the uh And the baffing spoon, the seven wood, mm. uh, and then, let's see, if I had three, five, seven, nine, sure. so I think it would be five, seven. Mm. Nine, I have mine. Five, seven, nine putter. Five, seven, five, nine, seven sandwich nine putter. putter. Sandwich. Okay. Putter. Yeah, that's it. That gets you to seven. So I go so to 
So what? What? Oh yeah. Okay. You, you, so I go. Dri- I'd go driver. I'd go like a like a four wood or like okay. some sort of like a strong hybrid, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, and then I would go uh, five, seven, nine. Gap wedge putter. Oh, I would go three wood. Utility, like I have this new Callaway utility wood. That's what it's I would 21 use. degree. Yeah. It's a good, it's like a seven wood. Um, then I would go six, eight, pitching wedge, sand wedge, putter to get to seven. Got it. Oh, we all have, we all have different, different sets. Yeah. That's what I, that's part of what I like about having like a smaller standard is that it like brings out the personality and character of, of like the different players. In like a better way. I yeah. love the thought of like at the tournament they like posted everyone's set choice on the you know, like on the wall. Yeah. On the wall of the tent. Like where you could ima- imagine how fun that would be today if they had a professional seven club tournament and then like release the day before is like a list of like what clubs each player is gonna use. Yeah. And, that's awesome. and maybe after the round, like Tiger's changing. You know, he didn't he didn't want the five wood. He's switching he, the two yeah. iron is back. Like Or um, the wind's a different direction, you go with the evens. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's exactly. like but is your wedge setup yeah. gonna stay the same? Because I think yeah. if I went evens, I go four, six, eight, but I don't want just a pitching wedge, so yeah, I'd probably go eight gaps still. Yeah, that's a and big then it's a big gap between the yeah, pitching wedge in the yeah, 50s. you know, or I mean, eight in the fifty, it, yeah, because you hit the eight too far. Right, you're not yeah. going to eight like 105 you're, yards. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Well, now that I've taken the three iron out of the bag, it's it's like I've I've got regret. Oh, you know, because when I, know, I cause miss my three, really, iron. I think I think I I need to break the uh, the odds. You know, I I think that that uh, I think I need a three iron, and like you said, to go to something more like a six. You know, yeah. not 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 five or seven, yeah. but six. Yeah, and yeah. then Three, six. Uh, you can go then like nine, nine, and then the sandwich, and then the sandwich. Yeah. That's pretty good. I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I am thinking to myself like, what if you did do a couple of evens, a couple of odds? Like, where, how would you want to break that up? But I like that. Like, if hmm, maybe I'd even go like a four, seven pitch. So yeah, yeah there you go. Too. I don't know. It's like there every you other one ish. Every third. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Um, I think we need to host our own seven club tournament now. Now you need been, to bring it back. You've been pushing for this. Yeah, I think it just has to happen. This is going to be mm. the year. Mm. Um, and now we have we have a little bit of form. We have some hit. We have some history because because uh, sometimes when yeah. you like push for it, it, just feels like feels like it's our thing or like my thing or your you know whatever. And it's like trying to make other people do something that i like wanted to do and and that's i always felt a little you know a little weird but now we have like it's like oh <laughs> they precedent used, yeah we have precedent we have like the seven yes. club tournament it happened in 1964 yep. and possibly other years <laughs> we'll have to find out <laughs> yeah we'll have to write every club in scotland and say did you ever host a seven club tournament <laughs> in the, the 50s 60s or 70s and <laughs> please reply um but yeah we have precedent we have precedent so yeah. we have like Legit. this is this is a thing, you know. You must submit your club choices ahead of time. It will be, you know, everyone will. It'll be on the list. Um, yeah. Well, and it's like, yeah, and some people will be there saying, like the guy did in the story, like seven clubs. It's a 
five would be really the <laughs> that would be the real test. <laughs> That's so hard. Yeah, well, seven's pretty good. I think seven. Seven, seven is gives good. Gives you a shot. Um, seven's. seven's well, I remember doing that at uh, Spring Valley, and it was it was very challenging. Yeah. Very well, that's because it was it was like it was thirty swell. mile an hour winds that day. Blowing, yeah, these guys, we yeah. played a match. It was me and Jensen and Alex, and we, well, had, we played nine point. It was seven clubs, yeah, some some sort of a game, and they were Jensen. It was so windy. Was he, he had a driver into um seventeen at Spring Valley, you know, it's like hundred and seventy yeah. yards. Oh my, yeah, yeah. Also, so it was in part because of. I don't know. You probably didn't have your three wood. I that didn't day. have three wood, and I there was no way I could get four iron there with the wind. Yeah. So, yeah, I hit so a, it's like I how hit cool, pretty strong driver. Yeah. You hit but a it good was like a memorable yeah. like. It was a memorable we've shot. We played so many like, rounds there, and I don't, you know, I don't remember, you know, that whole f- like sticks more clearly in yeah. my mind just because of like what happened, right? Like right, it was it's windy. Like you had to, because you had I fewer had clubs. To, I you had, had to, to man weird. up and hit that thing because yeah. there's no other option. Yeah, uh, no unless I wanted to play for bogey, but it's like, no, you're on the tee. You haven't even yeah. done anything wrong. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> why even default to that mode? Yeah. Like, let's let's try and pull let's something off here. Shot. Yeah, <laughs> it was extremely <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the potential of of seven is that it creates like so many more moments like that yeah. throughout the throughout the day where you or your playing partner is like. Force you to do something out of the ordinary. Didn't I hit and that on four too? I think I hit two probably. drivers off par threes yeah. that day. It's crazy. I don't. I mean, I don't that's even remember the outcome. One. I just remember either, that like it happened, and so, yeah, so that's. Cool. Um, but no, I agree. I, I agree, hundred percent. What could be fun about it? Well, definitely. I mean, now you can see how it's shifted the, the game. All of a sudden, you're you're now become way more interested in everybody's shots because they may be having to. You know, yeah, do something just, really creative. Yeah, like when they're in the fairway, it doesn't like guarantee that they're just going to be hitting a normal shot. No, like, you're, yeah, you're going to be seeing all kinds of swings. Yeah, which is exactly. very much fun. You know, and around the greens as well. Yeah, yeah, because you have less less clubs to chip with. Mm. Yeah, so. something I like we d- I I like about our culture here is whenever we're we're done playing the round on our staff trips or whatnot, is we always share. And I think this is something you started, but uh, Andy, but we share like our shot of the day huh, yeah. and we, we all kind of set the scene of what the shot was, where it was mm-hmm. and, and maybe what the meaning behind it was. And so if you do something like this, setting the scene gets so much more engaging oh, to, yeah. to the listener of what's going on. I think that's pretty cool. Like, Hey, I hit driver on 17, but here's, here's why. Cause people will be like, what the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. why did you do that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what did you think about that quote where when they were talking about lowering the clubs where they were like, if you have too many clubs, you, you buy like you're buying too many shots in the golf shop. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Well, you know, and that goes, uh, you know, that's been the uh, story of a, a certain school of thought forever and ever was that, you know, you're uh, uh, Sure, anybody can play with those clubs. You know, play with these, mm. you know, and see what you can do. Um, and But we don't care anymore because the, uh, the Americanization of the game that, uh, that the, the classic golf um, architects uh, worried about when they talked about Americanization, it was that the game was all about the score. 
that pretty soon it would be. It wouldn't really matter how skillful you were. It would only matter what you scored. And so, so why not just keep advancing the technologies? Because that's all we're going for. It's the bottom line. Instead of, wow, did you see that driver <laughs> chance it into the wind? I mean, that was a shot. That was a situation that was just like, it's more celebratory. Mm, and sure. way more interesting to watch because we're just saying it now like, wow, what kind of a swing is Andy going to make on this one? Yeah. I mean, you know, now the way we play is, hey, I've seen one five iron. I've seen them all. Sure. I don't need to see you hit. What you, would you score? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Pete, you mentioned something like just there of like you can of, of like the quote. You're like, sure, anyone could play with those clubs like. Is that something that was ever, uh, like, was that actually a conversation at some point, like, when new equipment would come out of, like, oh, this actually is too easy? Because now, like, things have got to a point where they're, they're definitely, there's not, there's not, like, a ton of change from year to, you know, manufacturers would make it seem like there's a ton of change from year to year. But, like, the drivers of the last five years all kind of look the same. You know, irons look, you know, it's not. Yeah, yeah especially the last four years. Three, but what four was, years. was that like a. Oh, yeah, that was a big thing. Um, you know, um, back when I'm talking about, and that was, that was uh, in the early 80s, let's say, early to mid 80s. Um, well, it was when Ping came out. When, when Ping, Ping had developed, I'm not sure which of the Ping clubs that they developed, but, you know, the tour players didn't play with Pings right away. Hmm. Um, you know, the Wilson was it staff. The irons? Was it the irons? Yeah, it was the, the irons. Like the, the kind of the wider, wide, the perimeter, the perimeter weighting. Yeah, which widened the sweet spot. Which you know, and and my buddy who uh, Neil Moore, who's the head professional down in Danville Country Club for years, and um, he was always a Wilson guy, and he had these beautiful Wilson staff blades in his bag, and. And then all of a sudden, one day, uh, he shows up at a tournament, and he's got pings in his bag. And he said, "He said, hey, pal, you know, it's the, it's the difference between shooting 75 and 72. Hmm. He said, because the, those three mishit irons I have are not going to go in the front bunker. They're going to carry on to the green. Hmm. Well, that's a cool way to look at it. And so, yeah, there was a real, like, should I or shouldn't I? And... For what is you it all or for other people? What does it all mean? Well, uh, yeah, no, I guess for me, but mm. but I mean, even he said, I mean, he sort of looked at I me mean, when he told me we were at a P Illinois PGA meeting, and he, you know, he shook his head like, you know, yeah, I had to do it. I didn't want to do it. I love the look of those staffs in my bag. You know, it's, I thought I'd always, you know, yeah. have those blades in there, but it's pragmatic. You know, it's it's uh, survival. Yeah, yeah. You know, I well, want to compete. I want to win. Yeah. So, what was your? I mean, I I guess I know where your, you know, y your conclusion is considering you still play Ram blades from 1982. Um. So, yeah. what <laughs> I wanted to become more skillful. Mm. That's why. Yeah. Uh. And and I, um, I felt like uh. 
that if I kept the blades the same, the the, mm-hmm. the clubs rel- the same, then I would know if I got better. I know it was because I got better that I became more skillful, mm-hmm. not because I bought the set and bought the game. So that letter and was like the most important thing. I mean, that was the most important thing to become skillful. You know, I had a desire to become a, a scratch golfer, and uh, uh, that meant playing the game and being able to control your your contact being able to control your trajectory and your spin and um and uh you know from the first time my father ever brought me up short about you know not playing the ball where it laid you know i i started thinking oh the idea is to become more skillful Mm -hmm. to be able to handle more and more difficult situations and uh challenges and so so, uh, you know, as a result, I, uh, that's the way I steered my ship after that. I mean, I, I played in a, uh, <laughs> in a uh, assistance 36-hole championship at St. Andrews. I can't remember the year exactly, but we were playing winter rules. I said, I'm not going to play winter rules. <laughs> I want to see how good I am. Mm. So, you know, so that's the kick I got out of golf. Um, even, even when you were playing, like, in competition? Yeah. You know, like Yeah. Yeah, it was the most important thing uh Well, you know, you can say, well, you know, you weren't that great. You knew you weren't going to win anyway. What, you know, you can do what whatever you want, but I I really uh that was that even surprised me a little bit. I mean, because it was a friend of mine that reminded me about it. He said, "Dude, how many how many guys do you think played it down in that tournament?" I said, I don't, I don't <laughs> I've been know. The only one. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I don't think anybody else did. Yeah. I think you were the only one. Yeah. So, so, but that's what floated my boat. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I, I think that the the challenges of the you can always make it more challenging just by you know bringing in wind, compromising the footing, making the sweet spot smaller, making the ball curve more. Um, you know, but, uh, and, and, uh, uh, I think people, you know, old timers have been calling for it because they're, they're closer to that sort of game and that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Johnny Miller, I was listening to a program on the golf channel yesterday and Miller, uh, was talking about the fact that how satisfying it was for him to win in the era that he won in because there were so many good closers, you know, in that, uh, in his yeah. era. Uh, and uh, with, he said Arnie was still playing, Jack was still playing, Watson, Ballesteros, you know, all these guys were stud closers. And so, you know, interesting game. That's not, when Tiger came along, there wasn't that, there weren't, that wasn't the field. You know, he, he was just so dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but anyhow, so what satisfies us changes over the years. You know, we can't imagine, we can hardly imagine now what Mc- Alistair McKenzie and, and those architects were talking about, you know, about the, the, the match play mm-hmm. mindset and the, and the possibilities, you know, and, and uh, that, uh, that existed in that game that, you know, we have to dig to find nowadays because the way society and our mindsets have been changed, the culture has changed. Mm-hmm. What would you say to 
maybe you have had this conversation before it's just like your typical say club golfer who's a 10 handicap but just plays all the time and you know at these clubs where it's you're trying trying to beat your buddy so it's like i, I always need the latest and greatest equipment you know i need the i don't know the new shoot whatever the, all the all the to, stuff all the stuff to kind of keep up well, you know, I think it's just the, the enjoyments that you get out of it. You know, as, as we've talked about, you guys have talked about in this on this podcast with Alex, as a, for instance, you know, what he values in golf experience mm-hmm. is is different, yep. you know, from what I uh, I do. And if your game, if the game of golf you played is with your buddies and it's about beating your buddies, then that's what, you know, that's, you're going to, you're gonna. Your actions ought to be consistent with that. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna let Ed get the upper hand on me. You know, I'm gonna. On the other hand, you know, one of the best golfers I ever met was a guy who. Who would play his game regardless of, you know, he would play seven clubs mm. regardless of where he was playing. Yeah, you and know. like still try to win. And still try to win and be perfectly. You yeah. know, like, hey, I only play with seven clubs. No, no, no. you know, he would He's never even mention it. Yeah. You know, sure. He's playing. This is my this is my mm-hmm. competitive set. Yeah. yeah. I just mean, like, yeah, everyone should do what is what they enjoy. But for lots of for lots of people, like they're just like default setting is like, as you said, like the Americanized version of golf where score is the only thing that matters. And so it seems like you would believe that th- those people are actually like missing out on certain parts of golf that could make their experience more valuable. Like I think well, you know, maybe. But for but you know, b- golf uh is one of those things that we people play for how many people do you think play and uh, uh achieve a certain amount of self-esteem from their ability to shoot a score. And that's what's important to them. So when they go out, they they want to build that self-esteem. They yeah. they wouldn't want to play with a rickety set of rentals that was going to cause them to embarrass themselves, right? Well, and, and so yeah. or or keep them from shooting their best. So so that becomes their you know their most important thing. Mm-hmm. You and I, uh, you know, if you're not worried about impressing anybody or about you know uh, winning a a bad or losing a a bad bet, you know, like, uh, then, you know, you're, uh, you're free to do whatever you will. I I think a lot of people aren't really free to do whatever they want to do to explore like you want. Yeah. Cause uh, Tim, you know, Galway writes that if, if you're there to play, if you're there to prove something to yourself or to others, like if that's your reason for going, like you're never gonna, you're never going to prove it. You're always being let down. He never really gives the alter the alternate thing, but you know what I mean. We've all had yeah. that. But would you say it's like like most people aren't free because they're always they always have that guard up of protecting, looking good. Exactly. Right. <laughs> that's of whatever they're. Yeah. yeah that's what uh, I remember. Fred Shoemaker said the the, the uh, most golfers when they get to the first tee they they're really only committed to three things, and uh, the first is. Looking good, <laughs> preserving looking good. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah fair enough. And yeah. so, you know, uh, 
that's what golf brings out in you. That's why people, you know, have said for years and years that it evokes your character. It'll it'll show you and the world if you're willing, to, you know, able to look at it exactly, you know, what you're committed to, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, you know, Fred Shoemaker, you bring him up. I mean, um, would somebody, you know, walk out to uh, you know, whatever your seven iron yardage is and, and risk, uh, you know, creating a curving ball with your five iron. Uh, most people would never, uh, that would expose their, they don't practice that, you know, that, that, that requires more, more input, you know, on your part to sort of work, to feel, you know your clubs at different distances it's it's easier for most people just to go out draw it back full and smash the crap out of it mm-hmm. yeah i it sounds like though you're saying like your in your experience like golf was about how skillful you could be that you're chasing that more than a score and yeah. so to the extent like you could imagine like other so that's not a very common narrative but it sounds like an intriguing one if people were willing to to try it do you know what i mean if if yeah you know if somehow tight let's just say tiger woods has to retire because he's too injured and he starts he would never do this but starts being like yeah golf would be better with seven clubs it's about being more skillful guarantee you millions of people are going out with seven that next weekend yes yeah because they have a there's a story behind it or there's someone cool who's who's pushing it and so obviously you know i know we have tons of influence on this podcast it's not not near the one of of tiger woods but i just think imagining worlds in which these things happen um well that's what i hold out hope for yeah because because it is possible and it really i mean i saw it happen in the uh in the 80s when golf became cool I mean, all of a sudden, all these counterculture people are are playing golf, and golf isn't just, uh, you know, for fat, old, rich guys. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, Alice Cooper, who is wearing mascara and uh, dancing with snakes on the stage, is a, mm-hmm. is a golfer. Mm-hmm. You know, now he's in a commercial on television. Uh, I uh, saw him the other day, but Jim McMahon, the punky QB, you know, up in that picture yeah. on the wall there. I mean, McMahon thinks golf is cool? Oh, my God. I mean, that was a... And so, you know, making practice, that's what I hold out for, that making practice cool. Uh, Sure. That would be, you know, that. what would it take? Well, it would take, you know, a a trendsetter like yourself to... You know, to do just what you're doing, to be the Johnny, Johnny Appleseed of, of you know, retro, <laughs> of, of, of you know, traditional yeah. thinking. All right. I, I like to be called the Johnny Appleseed <laughs> of something, so that's good. That's good enough for yeah. me, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you know, uh, this book uh, that we've got right here, I'm going to... Oh, so good. Char- C.B. McDonald. You know who was who brought golf really to America and designed concepts and stuff like this. One of the things that really appeals to me about him is that he thought originally he thought golf was just a ridiculous game. 
And then he went over to St. Andrews, and he, and he lived sure. in St. Andrews and knew the young Tom and old Tom Morris and, and, and those people. And then all of a sudden he fell in love with the game. Hmm. But he had a basic uh, a sensibility about it all that, that change and novelty wasn't always progress. Huh. And that, that really a proper stance about, about golf design had to do with honoring traditional principles that were found in the greatest golf holes in the British Isles. And so what he did was he made a study and went around and, and talked to people and said, what, what is your favorite hole? And, what is your, and, and, and these, uh, the Morrises and these great golfers of the day would tell him why they, yeah. why they liked it. And, and so he came to the United States, and originally he tried to replicate those holes. And then he realized that that wasn't the thing to do. It was to bring the principles in Mm-hmm. of that design and apply them to per, to unique landscapes yeah. and situations and so that's so that notion of of honoring tradition instead of just you know looking at what's established as like that's old it's tired yeah let's change it sure yeah taylor made's new driver has a red face <laughs> looks like looks like these you know space heaters we have here. So that could be could be it. Um, all right, guys. Any uh, any final words before we go? I think re- real briefly, um, and it it ties into I think what you were saying, Peter. Just being more skillful in the mindset that the golfers there said, "Hey, you know what? Even though we're going out with only seven clubs, and that might equal it." you know, on average, two shots worse than what I would pr- normally play, they were okay with that because they were fine with the challenge and saying, well, what if I actually do shoot my, like, average score, you know, of what that. So I thought that they're going into the mindset of, hey, I'm, I'm taking on this challenge, but I'm, I'm also okay with failure because I know this is going to be an enjoyable experience. I think that's a pretty cool place to try to get to. Yeah. Amen, brother. Listen. All right. Clean Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Until next time. Bye-bye. I hit it again. Because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Well, here it comes. <laughs>